afternoon. Welcome. Leaving the yard. Zach and the professor here on the fan 1079. It's been a minute. It has. And uh, let me just say, if you're on the Facebook presentation and you have a comment, address those to Chuck Zach because he'll be I'm not looking monitoring. At no, I'm not fa- looking at Typically, I monitor the Facebook, but today Chuck Zach's going to have to monitor it because I had to use my phone because Chuck Zach's uh, unable to operate uh, I can the operate latest my technology. Phone. My phone operates His technology oh is, he's challenged technology. Wise. Not challenged. But I am challenged in another way because I'm, uh, I'm barely here again today. Since the last uh, time I saw you. You've had the play. COVID again. Again. Was again. This or fifth time I think you? it's my third. But, you know, I, I think it's good for you. It keeps your antibiotics up. Okay. Yeah. And so you don't even hardly feel it now when you get it because you have such a strong antibody built up to it. I had three days of fever. I felt it. So you didn't really feel it at all is what you're saying. Just I felt days. it. You remember a couple years ago? 2021, death's yeah. door. You, I come by and you're like, stay away, I'm the, the plague or whatever. I didn't do it like that. Yeah, you were hollering through no, the I door. Holler. I was stay away. Yeah, it was almost biblical the way you were shouting or whatever but uh really anyway uh now you just text me friday morning say hey i've got the covid of course this is after we spent thursday afternoon together well i didn't know thursday afternoon yourself to me i (laughs) so that's the correct way of i didn't know i went home thursday i wasn't feeling i wasn't feeling good my wife came home she said what's wrong i said i don't know I've, i've had three kids sent home with covid she said, I'm going to Walmart. I'm going to go get a couple of at-home tests. We're going to take a – I no longer stuck the thing in my nose and, and put it on the little testy thing. You're supposed to wait 15 minutes before you decide if you have it or not. <laughs> 30 seconds in, she said, you got COVID. Wow. I said, it tells you on the thing. You're not supposed to judge it until you go uh, at least 15 minutes. She said, you got both the little hash lines already. Oh, you're you're I, I did overachieve on that. I nailed that fast. Hey, you're in the yard. Phone working? Nope. No, that'd be the phone not working. Jeez. I'm just going to go back to the house. I'm just going back to the house. Your phone didn't work. My phone didn't work. Nope. You're a, a real phony. You don't no, have a... No, I know. Have a working... I know. Yeah. So I didn't go to, get to go do the game Friday night. I didn't get to do anything this weekend. And uh, I've had, through all of this, Thursday, right? Yeah. How many days of work am I missing? One. I missed Friday. Yeah, it's your new schedule. Yeah, that new schedule is doing me great. I got COVID and I only missed one day of work. That's outstanding. That shows your commitment. Yeah. yeah we always want our uh, teachers to be committed. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, uh, you're very committed. What are you doing? I'm going to try it again. I'm wondering. Hello? Hello? No. I mean, nothing. No. Nope. I feel like Lily Tomlin. It's <laughs> weird. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, I'm here now. We got a show today. You got a guest today. Chris Minner is coming in. He is the new women's basketball coach at A&M Texarkana. And you're like, why are you bringing him in? You got COVID. No, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm fever-free since Saturday. I'm, I'm Did golden. Did you warn him? Did you warn him? I'm fever-free since Saturday. I'm not contagious. I don't want you exposing yourself to anybody. I'm else. not exposing myself to anyone else. Anyway, Chris is coming in today. At five thirty, people just oh maybe doesn't want to do that. Phone not 
Oh, speaking of that, that was supposed to be tomorrow's guest. Oxford's supposed to come in tomorrow or come on tomorrow from Northeast Arkansas. Oxford took a shot at Arkansas. me this weekend. Oxford did? Yeah. Yeah, he called me Johnny Green 2.0. <laughs> That's a compliment. I don't, I don't think That's a huge compliment. Are you I kidding me? And? <laughs> I'm not that confident. Oh, God. I don't think Anything to do with my writing ability. You, somebody says, hey, you're Al Hanna 2.0. What would you say? Thank you. Yeah. But say the I same thing about Johnny Green. I think Oxford was mocking me. I think he, yeah. it was something mocking in the tone of the uh, Facebook message. If you just said Brian Till 2.0, well, you take a little leverage there. <laughs> well, you take a shot. That's what I do. You just took a shot. Oxford. That was an actual shot, he though. He a shot at Bo Till. He's a uh, good guy. Uh, Till's a very good guy. He knows we love him. We yeah. kid because we care. All right. That's well, how that works. See, I, think that, I think you and Oxford are operating on the same level. Really? Yeah, mocking people is what y'all do. That's okay. I, I, I don't to, think he was mocking you, though. Or was he uh, mocking Johnny? <laughs> is that what he's doing? Is mocking the decision? Yes, he was mocking Johnny, yeah. but I think he was just... Because I had written a couple of stories about Texas High, he was he was making light of it. It wasn't making light. That's I what you he, are now. I, no, it's a temporary You're thing. The scribe. I'm, it's a temporary. I'm the George Plimpton of this thing. Paper lion. Yeah. You know, people don't know to remember. Paper tiger, isn't it for you? Uh, to remember uh, George Plimpton, uh, he was a guy who would try different things. Yeah, and he actually tried to be an NFL quarterback, and the Detroit Lions were kind enough to let him go to camp one year, and uh, I think they even played him in a preseason they game. Did. Let him play in a preseason yep. game. But George Plimpton uh, was a guy that he would try different things, typically sports, because he was a sports writer. But he would try different walks of life, and then uh, turn it into a story. His experiment as so and so. And so this is just me being George Plimpton. Paper Tiger, I like that. I may it's, use that. Yeah, it's not a bad yeah. one, is it? Yeah, I wonder if fun. Alan Alda will play you. I uh, know. I think Gary Alan Berghoff. <laughs> More likely to Jamie be. Farr. There it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So Alda played Plimpton. Plimpton, rather. I know who played oh, for, Plimpton. For people who don't know. Yeah. Not everyone knows what you know, we I used to know. think that uh, Larry Siegfried looked like George Plimpton. Larry Siegfried. Yeah. Former uh, yeah. Boston yeah. Celtic. Yeah. Really? After I saw that movie, every time I'd see Larry Siegfried, I'd think, it looks a little like Alan Alda, who played George Plimpton. So, so maybe he looks like George Plimpton. Yeah. Okay. Or Alan Alda. I don't know. But anyway. Either way. That's what we got today to start the thing out. Uh, I know the phone's not working. I know it was Sci-Fi Guy who was calling, because I have caller ID. So I'm going to guess what he so was going to say. you to talk to Sci-Fi? No. I'm going to guess he was going to ask you about uh, the, uh, the passing of Jimmy Buffett this weekend, yes. since I know... He's actually sent me a couple of pictures of um, him engaging in a uh, adult beverage in memory of uh, Jimmy Buffett. That's a great way to honor Jimmy. Yes. So I'm, I'm assuming he was going to ask your take on, obviously, the passing well, of Jimmy I Buffett. Was... Anyone that knows you is listening to the show, knows you and, uh, and Jimmy are kindred spirits. Well, I, I appreciate him as a, a lifestyle guy. The man's escapism. Who doesn't like to escape from the uh, uh, grind of the everyday work life? And uh, Jimmy came along for me at a time 
when I had two kids and couldn't afford to go to the islands anymore prior to children because we had children late in life. I was 37 and 42, 43 when we had our two children. And so the child bride and I had been fortunate enough to visit multiple islands prior to uh, taking on the responsibility of children. And uh, so when kids came along, the child bride decided to stay home and raise kids. And that uh, limited our income. And you can't just haul a kid off to the islands or whatever all the time. Well, you can. You just put him in the suitcase. Yeah. and there's problems and so for me I didn't discover Jimmy till about uh, 2000 or so when uh, I needed a first 24 hour and then we grew it to a 36 hour getaway and then eventually we made it about a 72 hour getaway uh, with everything and by the end we were taking the boy with us and so he was showing up uh, while we were there, but well, you just left him, and he showed up anyway. Well, by then he had his own transportation and a group of knuckleheads oh, that right. they wanted to see what the fuss was about, and so uh, anyway, uh, we had the good fortune to use that as our little escape, and either a grandparent or an aunt or somebody would watch the kids for twenty-four to thirty-six hours, and like I say, as the kids got older, we could expand it out a little bit and make it a particularly long weekend but not a burning man type long no, weekend no, but no i never had to hike out with chris rock to get out or probably anything. a good idea yeah, yeah. But, uh, uh anyway it, it was great if you never understood buffett he offered escapism for short periods of time uh, he was a good storyteller uh, i said this morning if people that didn't get buffett probably didn't realize you know there's only six people that's ever had a, been at the top of the bestsellers list on both fiction and nonfiction for the New York Times. Well, that's people like Hemingway and Steinbeck, and Buffett is among those. Six. And how many were six people? Yeah. And they, you just named three of them? Yeah. And so, uh, but nice. I'm not saying he's Steinbeck. I'm not saying he's Hemingway. I'm saying that he had more to offer than just his song stories and things like that. He he was a fine entrepreneur. He understood what his audience wanted and uh, made sure that he always showed up and delivered what they wanted. And was smart enough to understand it. Yeah. That, that, that to me is, I mean, he was an okay guy, yeah. okay singer. Yeah. The story, his songs were, as you said, the stories were mildly amusing. Yeah. He was an okay guitar player. Yeah. But he was a great entrepreneur of figuring out, As I was reading a bunch this weekend about it, and... and over and over is the common theme of I'm seeing guys out in the audience with stuff with my name on it and I wasn't making any money off of it. And yeah. I realize all the worlds are coming together at one time and why would I not yeah, take start, advantage of it? Yeah, when I'm seeing businesses who are using Margaritaville, when I'm seeing my name or Cheeseburger in Paradise be put on a menu someplace, those are mine. People are making cash on them, and I'm behind the curve and getting after yeah. it. And started filing yeah, suits. And, oh, yeah. No, no, no. No question. In fact, uh, if anybody's understanding this, died a billionaire. Yeah. Uh, back in August, Forbes had upgraded his personal wealth to a billion dollars. Which is stupid. It really is. I mean, he's not Elvis. Understood better than anybody of our lifetime, I think, who's a, a middle of the road entertainer, how to actually make money off himself. Yeah. Well, I would say he was a better entertainer 
than he was a musician. I think Fair people enough. underrated him as an entertainer. He and he showed up every year. Oh yeah, no, he got it every year. He didn't take two years off. He didn't say I'll do the best. Every year he showed up. He played the same songs over and over because that's what people came to hear. Yep. He would mix in some new stuff, but he always had about six or seven songs that were his core product that. Every summer, he showed up. And that's why I told my wife back in May when he canceled this year's touring, I said, I think he's probably wrong. Yep. probably something wrong because he was just, he's a guy that just toured every year. Yep. All right. We got about 13 and a half after five. We're going to take the break as uh, I'm, I'm, I'm channeling Sci-Fi Guy's question for yeah. you. But so. remember, we got a guest today. Well, I know, but we got to come back to talk college football, certainly. So segment number two. Chris Minner, the new coach at AM Texarkana, the women's basketball coach, scheduled to join us at 5.30. I've texted him. He said he's on the way, so we should be good to go in about uh, 15 minutes with him. We'll come back. And you, I know we got to talk a little Dion. We'll do that when we come back. Leaving the yard. Zach and the professor here on the fan 107.9. On 107.9, the fan is presented by Liberty Isle ISD and our studio sponsor, Eagle Distributing. Now, back to Zach and the Professor. All righty, welcome back. 18 after 5, leaving the yard. Zach and the Professor here on the fan. 07.9, Chris Minner joining us this afternoon. Not Minter, not Vince. Not any of the Minter guys. Chris Minner. He's new to Texarkana. He'll be the new Eagles basketball coach when the women take the court at the end of October. So it's spelled M-I-N-N-O-W? Not Minnow. Minner. Because I used to... Chris Minnow. Tell my sister, give me another Minner there. I need... Minner. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, Minner. You're from East Texas. You got the yeah. bucket there. Yeah. You get another minute out of Yeah. There. Anyway, <laughs> you'll be in there in about 15 minutes. We'll talk uh, at least one segment worth of uh, hoops action for well, the Eagles. Yeah, take the opportunity to introduce yeah. everybody. Welcome into town. Yeah. Before we, uh, you know. Well, never mind. Well, never mind. Before, well, I was going to say, before we, before we uh, you know. Talk Dion. <laughs> no, make light of him later. <laughs> anyway. Wow, that's what you are? That's, <laughs> that's, that's who I am. That's, I'm well, in the mood. Here, ever since you got the COVID, you're bitter. I'm, I'm a mean guy again. So COVID did that to me. Wow. All right, so, uh, do you, oh, of course, you didn't watch Colorado. And I watched you see you. Half at, at Matt's, and so. Uh, okay, and then you hit the road. Then I went over, and we kept up with that. After that. In fact, the tailgate beside us had a TV going. We'd take a peek every once in a while. It was very entertaining, very back and forth. It was like a Texas high game. See, I couldn't decide at the end of this if, and, and of course, this this story has so many tentacles to it in dealing with Dion's relationship with the media and all the doubters, and he's keeping receipts, and nobody believes, and all that jazz. On one hand, and and I'm wondering if we're missing the story on this. 
What's that? What's the story? TCU's not that good. Well, I think TCU's down. Uh, I think the further you get away from Gary Patterson's ability to take three stars and make four-star type players out of them, uh, you're going to see a falling off there at TCU. I think, uh, you know, Sonny Dykes showed up at just the right time. He, he had some talent that had been recruited that had been uh, not just recruited, but Patterson did just a great job of enhancing the kid once they get on campus. He really developed them well. Yeah. And so uh, I think that'll be uh, more apparent as we move on. For Gary Patterson's gruffness or lack of uh, charm at times, he was excellent at ad- identifying a three-star kid who he could turn into a four-star type athlete and, and really get a lot out of him. I don't know if, A, Sonny Dykes sees that, gets that, I don't think he's going to be going to get a bunch of four- and five-star kids. Probably not. I think he's going to live back down there around the three-star kid. You would think. And, and will he be able to project them out well enough, and will he be able to develop them like Gary Patterson? And, and we'll see. Now, granted, he took him to the national championship game he last did. year, but he lost a quarterback who was a Heisman finalist. Yeah. And they're five-year-old type kids. That, yep. They're young and rebuilding and, and – you know, I, I watched the entire Colorado game on Saturday and was struck by the fact that Shadur Sanders is – I don't know where he's going to fit next level. I don't know why he can't be an NFL quarterback. He's calm in the pa- pocket. He's got a good arm. He reads defense as well for what they're asking him to do right now. It's one game at that level. But it felt like this guy has the potential of being, at the end of the season, also a guy who may be sitting in New York with the other guys deciding who's going to walk away with the Heisman. If Dion were to come along now himself, would he be a quarterback? Would he be a quarterback? Yeah, if Dion Sanders was to... Well, I don't know. If you were to have him, you're a high school coach, and Dion is a sophomore. Yeah, I don't know what his arm was like. I don't know if he threw it all. He may not have been a thrower, but... His son is. But would you not have put the ball in his hand? I think he, yeah, I think you could have done that, but I just don't know that he had the arm to but be a But when Dion was coming along, they just said, oh, I want you to play receiver and DB. Right. No, yeah. no question. Now, with his ability, coaches would have said, hey, I think we need to look at possibly getting him the ball on every snap. And it sounds like so. with his son, that's exactly what they were doing. Uh-oh, we got people in the uh, uh, hallway. So. Desi, you can come in, Desi. As he knows not to come in. Come in, Desi. Well, why don't you bring him back bring him for in here. Thank you, Desi. <laughs> Desi is a sweet lady. She is she's one sweet. of our salespeople. Oh, she's the salesman. She's the oh, she's the she's the only person now. No, she's the sales manager. Okay. Well, she's one of our salespeople. I think, she's and she's a very boss. sweet lady. But she's, she's never boss. had to actually walk back here. Well, she hasn't. Before. No, they've but never she, let people back is, where the animals live. This we, is our first time. Yeah. It's our first opportunity to interact with this live on the air. So what we'll do then is we'll take the break now, since apparently Chris Minner is already here. We'll come back. We'll talk a little basketball with him for a segment, and we'll come back and finish up uh, what we're doing. Leaving the yard, Zach and the Professor. Here on the fan, 107.9. It's about 23 and a half after 5. Listening to us here on 107.9, the fan.
the Yard on 107.9 The Fan. Brought to you by Liberty Ilo ISD and our studio sponsor, Eagle Distributing. Alrighty, welcome back. 26 minutes after 5 o'clock, leaving the yard. Zach and the Professor here on the Fan 107.9. And we are uh, very honored to uh, get our first chance to sit down with the new women's basketball coach at A&M Texarkana. He is Chris Minner. First time we're getting him on the air. And uh, first of all, great to meet you. Welcome to Texarkana and go Eagles. Yeah, glad to be here. Glad to be back in Texas. Uh, looking forward to it. Now, we, we you're the third coach in, in two years, basically. Yeah. Since we've uh, we, we had an, uh, the, the, the original guy, Kevin Dobbs, had been here from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Dobbs went on his way. We get in a second coach. Have a really good year. He's one and done. You're coach number three in three years. Uh, I'm I'm hoping for stability, coach. Tell me this is stability coming now. It is. It is. My family's here. My wife's here. So uh, getting back to the great state of Texas was important to me. Uh, I was I was here at Early Lake for San Antonio for ten years, and North Texas for another year. So I went to Kentucky during the pandemic. And uh, came back, and, and uh, I'm going to build something here. I think there's a lot of potential here. I really like the facilities. And uh, I almost came here last year. Did and, you? Uh, yeah, this year I, I, was, I told them I'd come in. So, okay. Yeah. So you said almost came here last year. I'm assuming you were part of the application process? I was part of the time? application process and, and stayed in Kentucky, but uh, now I'm here. So okay. um, this has been a job that's been on my radar for a little bit. So what changed your mind about from a year ago to this year? The AD that hired me at, at Kentucky left. I had some seniors that followed me from Texas. Okay. And I really felt like it was an opportunity I passed up, and I wasn't going to pass it up again. All right. So here you are now. So you walk in with a roster full off a 30-win <laughs> season. What's better than that for a job? Oh, I'm fine. When I was in this conference before, we won it every year, and, and – you know, I don't know how we'll do next year. I know we got a good group of ladies in now at the last minute, uh, but I think we're going to be pretty competitive. So and there's no seniors, so uh, the future's bright. So you, we need to back up a little bit. I'm being sarcastic about a factor, yes. the fact that you have a roster full of kids. That's true. Because you don't. When you arrived, you had how many? I had two. So now you got to beat the bushes to try to find players in the dog days of the summer when most of the kids have already committed to where they're going to go. How do you go about that process? Well, it's easier for me. Uh, I, I resigned from Midway on July 28th. I was officially named the head coach here, I think, four or five days later. started August 3rd. And during that transition, I got eight recruits that were going to come with me to Midway to transfer. And then my all-conference post player wow. uh, who played for me last year at Midway, but it's originally from San Antonio, Texas. She came with me. So nine of the players on our roster of 15 were going to go with me to Midway, and they chose to come here. Uh, and then I picked up two or three later uh, when they announced me as the coach. I think some people were waiting. And so we got a pretty good roster of 15, and uh, we're big. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Who do you have back? We have Brianna Richardson okay, and Brianna Baker. Okay. So the two Bs. The two Bs. Two Briannas yeah. are back. And, and, you know, I thanked them because they could have left too. Sure. And they didn't, and we didn't have any games either when I got here. And I, we have a full schedule. And it's going to be tough. Our RPI is going to be really, really good. We're playing some pretty good teams, which is what I wanted to do. Uh, but it's okay. Um, I knew it was going to be a challenge, and, and it went pretty smooth. And a lot of players want to come here now, so I'm excited. 
you talk about you're going to be big. Have you got the parts, though? I mean, it's one thing to have enough players. It's something, do you have the point? Do you have the wing? Do you have all the pieces you need to put together a good competitive ball club? We do. We have a good uh, 6'3 post player from Poland uh, in the middle. She's pretty good. Another six foot one post player from California. Uh, but those are supposed to come to Midway. They came with me. Uh, the girl that uh, played for me last year is 5'10", wing, uh, first-team all-conference player as a freshman, played Division One basketball, then transferred to Midway, and then transferred down here. Got a pretty good point guard out of Maryland, pretty good point guard out of Miami, another point guard out of, of California that were going to come to me in Midway. I think we can get to the rim. Uh, I like our size. I like our athleticism. The one thing I'm always concerned about is are we going to be consistently able to hit three-point shots? Because I just don't think in this conference that, that I coached in for seven years, our pressure is going to give them problems because we're going to press the whole game. And our size, and I think we're going to be able to score in size with our length. What I'm looking at right now in open gyms is whether or not we can consistently shoot the three. I think we got some people that can do that, but i got to see once practice starts in a couple weeks what we got. But defensively, I think we'll be solid. I think we'll be able to handle the ball. And, uh, you know, we got some people with some high basketball IQs. It'll be, we'll see how we start because our schedule, we're playing some top top 15, top 20 teams right off the bat, which is what I do. Uh, and so we'll see how the chemistry goes. But no seniors. And so we got a, you know, a, a year to learn together. But I think we can contend right now. I'm not really afraid of anybody. So when you've got these bigs, I'm assuming you're going to work it in. And you talk about that three-point shot, inside-out type stuff is yes. what you're looking to do? Yeah, because they're pretty skilled. Um, they're actually a little bit better than I thought because you see them on film and you see them in person, but then when you see them against your own players, you, you get a real perspective. But yeah, we were a lot of high-low. Uh, my first year at Midway, we had to do that because we didn't have a lot of athleticism, so we couldn't attack the rim. But here, I know we can go high-low, and we actually got a pretty good inside-out mid-range game and so I'm looking forward to it. We rebound really well. It looks like they have a really good eye for the ball, and they're strong. So, you know, early early right now looks like our size and, and our ability to score inside is going to be helpful. Plus, uh, a lot of them are transfer junior college players, so they're juniors. We're not dealing with freshmen who are learning how to play in college, so I think that's, that's key. And, and I know the conference. I haven't coached it for seven, eight years, uh, so I'm kind of familiar with how they play, and, and our tempo is going to distract people. But I think it's going to be hard – to score on us inside. I mean, you're, you're going to have to have two bigs to play against us. And, you know, I'm curious to see how that goes. Uh, but uh, to put a roster together this late and be as competitive as I think we'll be uh, is is nice. So you were last in the conference when, 2019? 2019, yeah, well, I was at Our Lady of the Lake. We, right. went to, we went to the Final Four. So it's been five years, basically. Yeah. Any changes in your coaching from when you were at Our Lady of the Lake to where you are now coming into Texarkana. And by the way, we're talking to Chris Minner, who's the new Eagles basketball coach for the women. Yeah, I've added some wrinkles to my press. Uh, and, and I had to learn how to coach without a very athletic team and still be able to control the tempo of the game. My first year at Midway, picked up some new out-of-bounds plays, picked up uh, some new offenses that I had to use. When you don't have people that can get to the rim, you got to really work on screen and double screen and down screens and – and so I picked up some stuff. I'm, I'm always trying to learn, um, you know, so I never take, you know, what happened at Our Lady Lake for granted. I'm, I'm trying to do that again. But, um, you know, I'm always trying to get better. Uh, you know, I never think we're good enough, and, and so I'm always going to try to make us better. You know, for, for those – there's different styles about recruiting and making a team. Mm-hmm. When Kevin was here, he tried to build a program from zero and bring in 13th graders mm-hmm. and – 
grow them into becoming a competitive team. Problem is, he just never really got talent to the level it needed to be to be competitive. Well, the coach last year went out and beat the bushes for transfer kids who were Mm -hmm. coming in. They were instantly more athletic, instantly Mm -hmm. really up and down the court better, and got 30 wins. But as he goes, they went. So here you are now, after your eight or nine girls that came with you from from Kentucky go on their way, is your mindset, I'm really needing to find young girls and start the process of getting them to becoming NAI caliber players? Or am I looking for kids that are a little older as well, and I'm just going to keep reshuffling them in each year because it makes us more competitive instantly every year? I think it's a combination of both. Uh, when I was at Our Lady Lake, I started that from scratch. And freshmen wouldn't come to us because we weren't D2 or they didn't know right. anything about us. Right. So in order to be competitive, we went and got junior college players that are kind of over the D1 dream or thinking they're going to go big time. And then once we started winning and beating everybody, then better freshmen started to, to want to come to our school. So to me, the one thing is Kentucky, I got a lot of freshmen because there's no there's only two Division twos and no junior colleges play athletics in Kentucky. So the freshmen there, NAI is where they want to go. Right. And we also had 41 players on the roster. So Jeez. Yeah, which is a benefit here. We don't have to have that. But uh, it's a combination of both. And I think once you get going with your program and show that you're competitive, I think you can have a mixture. And that's what that's what I did in my last school. At, you know, at Our Lady Lake, we, we got better freshmen, and they turned into All-Americans. But you're not going to get freshmen right off the bat. Uh, I think next year we'll get more freshmen since I have a year to recruit. But there's such a recruiting base within two hours of here in any direction uh, there's quality players. But I do think you can't do – I don't think it's good to do all of one and none of the other. I right. think it's a combo. I don't like one and dones. I don't like players coming to me for one year. And I, I won't just take anybody. I mean, they're going to have to be pretty good team players and have the right attitude because to sustain success – you, you can't have a drama-filled program, and you got to have people that want people to root for. Right. We want our fans to leave going, man, not only are they good basketball players, but they're good people and they don't have attitude, and, and that's what makes your program win for a long period of time. It's not that it's easy to win one year. Can you win seven or eight in a row? That, that's, that's hard. Chris Minner in here, the new coach at A&M Texarkana. Coach, you come in here and uh, you talk about philosophy of what type of kids you want. When you're talking to parents, would a parent rather send their kid – to a place like Tushkana, which is big, but yet not scary big, or do the kids see the bright eyes of San Antonio or bright lights and say, that's where I want to go? How, how does that work with parents versus a student athlete? That's a good one, because like Midway was such a small town, and it's right below Lexington, but not in Lexington. I find that parents want to go, one, where the education is going to benefit their daughter, two, nowadays, uh, it's price tag. I mean, we keep hearing everything on the radio uh, and TV about, you know, higher ed, is it worth it? Is it private? You know, all these people taking student loans out, uh, you know, return on investment. And so I find, like, now my conversations with parents are, number one, you know, what kind of school am I at? Number two, what's it going to be financially for you? And then three, what kind of program you're running? Is it, is it competitive? Is it serious? Is it, are the, you know, did they have a good coach? Do they have good players around them? And I think all that factors in, especially on the women's side, I found, uh, the bright lights like San Antonio, they're not – some of them are like that, but most of them want to go someplace where there's a lot of things that check off the box. And, you know, I've always been able to recruit, I think, better players than the level I was at. 
and I think a lot of it is because they know they're going to come to our program. They're going to be taken care of. There's not going to be drama. We're going to contend for championships, and they're going to leave here with a degree, probably pretty affordable. And that's what I, that's the other thing I like about Texas A&M. That's an A&M degree. That's worth something. So, you know, it, it, there's so much potential here, and, and I'm just excited. We're going to be really good. I, it's, it's just a matter of when. Bringing any coaches with you, or are you still uh... – for an assistant, yeah. um, you know, I had part-time assistants, so they couldn't at midway, so they just couldn't uh, up and leave. Got some people in the mix. We should the process should be done in a couple of weeks. Got some good candidates. Uh, I think we have some experienced candidates, some former head coaches in college that want to come work with me, and I think that's going to be another big bonus. We're going to have a feeling that having narrowed it down a little bit, uh, we're going to get a pretty experienced coach on my on my bench. You've been doing this for how long now? Um. Let's see, I'm 49 today. And, oh, happy uh, birthday. Oh, thanks. Uh, I started coaching when I was 19. Okay. Uh, high school, worked my way up. This is probably my 17th or 18th in the higher, you know, above high school. So you feel like you got a pretty good um, structure of uh, coaches out there that kind of direct you toward players? Yes, absolutely. Uh, like the player – I mean, I had Milan Miller. Uh, she signed with me at Our Lady Lake, came here after I left, right. uh, and then followed me up there. Uh, some of the Our Lady Lake players followed me up to Midway. And so the coach, the players that are here now, I have a relationship with their coach from previous institutions that I've been at. And so they trust me. They know that what I say is going to be true. They know that their players are going to be taken care of. I say this how much I'm giving them a scholarship. That's how much they're getting. And so, like, here, almost every single player that's here uh, with me now, I had a relationship with their coach uh, before I got here. How'd you end up on the women's side of the game? Well, I was I was playing golf and going to school, and and I was too short and too slow to continue on after JC. And a coach I knew said, "Hey, in the winter time, you can't play a lot of golf. So do you want to coach, you know, basketball JV level? And, and I'll give you three thousand dollars for a couple months." And it was girls, and I was like, oh, "I don't know." And I went, and it was fun. We won a lot of games, and all of a sudden. I started moving up the ladder, varsity head coach, and all of a sudden assistant college and JC. And I just felt like you could move up the ladder faster on the women's side than you can on the men's side. Even though I have coached boys, right. uh, and my intensity level might be better for boys. But, um, you know, I just moved up, and then you get a reputation as a women's coach. And now I just, it, you know, basketball is basketball to me. Why do you think you moved up so fast? Was it just we're winning? and so winning, I won. And then I was willing to, to sacrifice – you know, I, I tell people when I go to clinics, what are you willing to do? When I was coaching high school boys basketball, teaching English full-time in California, making about $75,000 a year in 2008, and I took a $24,500 a year assistant women's job at Texas A&M International in Laredo. So I went from Napa, California to Laredo. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're probably actually at the end of the day have about the same money in your pocket. You're yes. about expenses in Napa versus Laredo. Correct. Yeah. It was very similar. Yeah. And so um, then I moved to help that coach build a program at Our Lady Lake in San Antonio and, and moved up the ladder pretty fast. And, and now I get paid to coach basketball, so that's, that's a pretty good gig. It's a pretty good life, huh? Yeah. 30 years doing it. Yeah. So the intensity, you know, People always wonder, can you be as intense when you're working with young ladies as you can with young men? I think so. It just has to be different. Um, like I'm pretty intense during games because we run so much stuff and we're pressing the whole time, and it's just how it is. Um, you know, practices, I want the practices to be intense. I mean, if I have to get on them every day, I don't know how good we are then. 
it's just different. Um, you know, I, I also believe in the last two or three years, I've done a lot more checking on their mental health because I, I don't know if it's COVID or what, but I just think people are a little more stressed out and, and down. And so the last couple of years, I've really done a lot of checking in with them, maybe take them out to lunch, maybe do more team activities. I do that while I was coaching boys, but you can be intense with women. It just has to be different. You can't be sarcastic, in my opinion. I think they'd rather we have direct communication than sarcasm. Is, is that one of the things you're looking at when you are considering, is this a recruit I want? Can they deal with being coached hard? 100%. 100%. Yeah. And, and I'm very honest. I said there's things that I can guarantee you is going to happen when you come to Texarkana. One, it's going to be intense. Two, we're going to press. And three, we're going to win. And I also say there's no drama. But all it takes is them to come to a game and they can see what it's about. Right. And either they can handle that or they can't. And I'm consistent. Um, and they know it. But when the game's over, the game's over. Like, I always tell the girls this. I don't really know what happened uh, until I watch the film. So we're not going to blame players. Uh, if we're supposed to eat at Chili's or Applebee's or something like that and we lose, we still are. We're not eating hot dogs at the gas station. Um, you know, we just have to – you know, I think a lot of times it's just confidence and consistency. If they know it's coming from a place of making them better, then I th- they, they handle it. And my players seem to handle it. And, you know, we win, so that helps. But they also know I got their back. You know, you play for me for four years. I got you. You know, I'm with you forever. So that's kind of how I look at it. All right, so you put your schedule together. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question probably don't even have down on paper yet. Do you know when we open the season? Yeah, we go uh, October 27th okay. in New Orleans against Loyola, which is interesting because that's, that's the facility that we lost in the national tournament game last year at my other place. Uh, and then we play William Carey the next day, October 28th. Our home opener isn't until November 30th. Uh, people knew I needed games, and people knew that we only had two people in August, and so everybody said, you can play us, but we need home games. And so I did that. So they're going to have to return them of it next year, and we'll be fine. You're not getting any checks out of that, are you? We're getting a little bit. We're are in you? Arkansas Pine Bluff, and yeah, we're getting yeah. some checks out of that. Wayland Baptist is paying for us to come down there for their tournament. Nice. Uh, it'll be good. RPI is so important. Yep. Um, you know, I thought last year, you know, the 29 and two and not ranked. That's you got to play people. You know, we've we've over the years, and you were mentioning Michael when you you came in here. Scholarships is a thing. Yeah. Trying to figure out how to make this work with mm-hmm. a limited number of scholarships. Is there any change on the horizon about the number of scholarships they're going to make offer for athletics? I've heard that. I'm always talking about yeah. it. I know the president is real active on, on improving everything. And so I think they're talking about it because I don't know the last change that they had. Um, that would really be beneficial. Yeah. Um, but I've never been in a place that, that's had full scholarships or, or anything. This is probably the best financial situation I've coached at. Really? Uh, being a public school, yeah. I mean, it's 40, 45,000 of these private schools, and they're not giving fools. Right. And so a lot of the players, when I told them how the scholarships were with their financial aid, it was a re- way better deal than in my last really? school. Uh, obviously, you want more uh, scholarships. Um, I think they're working on that, but uh, we have enough to win right now, but if you want to you know, be national champion, we might need a little more. You know, it's funny, you mentioned you know, the the value of an A&M scholarship Mm -hmm. but also those decisions sometimes don't come here in Texarkana they come in College Station and get floated back down to the satellites like A&M Texarkana is and so while you would like to have more than the number of scholarships you have it may be a roadblock in a place you have nothing to do with. Uh, And and the thing is is you know like the other institutions that were private and they raised tuition not your scholarship right the last school I was at was on the average system so you know that's pretty tough to win at 
uh, at least here, it, we're not on that. And I think, you know, it, it, there's challenges everywhere. Um, it's the mo- like I said, it's the most scholarship money I've ever dealt with in terms of scholarship amount to tuition. I can do more for my players here than I've ever been, except North Texas, which right. D1. But, uh, uh, you know, to me it's an excuse. We're still going to win. There it is. Anything else? Yeah, do you still tutor English? <laughs> no. I, I, I don't know how good an English teacher I was. I was all right, but uh, yeah, I'm working on my doctorate now. So are you really? We'll see. Yeah. When are you when are you going to be finished? I think a, two years, a year and a half. It depends how fast I get that dissertation. Okay, out. what's your paper on? No, we know yet. That's what. Oh, the, in leadership. Yeah, all so right. higher education leadership. I'm not sure. Okay, you're yeah. gonna come up with that idea. I know. That's, right. that's, that's probably delaying it's, me. It's easier said than done, right? Yes. All right. We got to go. This is Chris Minner. He is the new head coach at AM Texarkana. When the women show up at the end of November, he'll be the guy on the sideline you're going to see this year. Best of luck this yes. year. We'll see you again soon. Yeah. It was great right. meeting you guys. It was great Anytime. meeting you too. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Last segment here on Leaving the Yard. Zach and the Professor coming up next on The Fan 1079. This is Leaving the Yard with Zach and the Professor on 1079 The Fan, presented by Liberty Island ISD and our studio sponsor, Eagle Distributing. Marky got with Sharon, and Sharon got Sharia. She was Sharon, Sharon's outlook on the topic of disease. Mikey had a facial scar, and Bobby was a racist. They were all in love with dying. They were doing it in Texas. All righty, welcome back. Nine minutes till six, leaving the yard. Zach and the Professor here on the fan 1079. Don't forget Kirk and Company tomorrow morning, Wednesday version, which means... I hope Coach Outlaw's in with me. I haven't checked with him yet. So. I want to do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll He's riding high now. He's Mr. 2-0. I know, 2-0. He's doing well. Yeah. So we'll see if we can get him in here. If not, Coach Outlaw's always great about sending somebody on the staff to, to share some information with us about Razorback Athletics. So. Okay. College football, we started talking about Colorado. Uh, Florida State had a really good showing impressive. on Sunday. I think that's the best way to describe no, it. They, they were impressive. They jumped up in the polls. And they uh, watching that game Sunday night, I thought they bullied LSU. Yeah. And I never would have expected nope, to see LSU. Not, if it's not Georgia or not Alabama, I, I wouldn't have I thought I think LSU we may have thought Brian Kelly was further along in the process than was actually the case. But... You know, Florida State didn't expect to see him manhandle LSU. Mike Norvell's further along in the process, yeah, and he's yeah. got a quarterback who can play. Yeah. He, uh, Jordan kid that he's got looked yeah. very impressive. I, I would, I would be surprised if he stays healthy if they don't stay in the top five all yeah, year I, long. I think you're right. Last I, night, obviously Clemson uh, didn't scare anybody last night. Well, you know, I feel for Dabo a little bit. He, you knew they were gonna they were gonna struggle a bit coming out of the gate. He's got a new quarterback this yeah. year, and he his, hasn't taken a whole lot of snaps. His quarterbacks at Oregon State. <laughs> his quarterbacks at Oregon State. Duke was all fired up to play, yeah. and Clemson, been there a while. Clemson couldn't couldn't finish the deal. I mean, two red zone fumbles yeah. and two you know missed or blocked field goals and. You you left so many points sitting on yeah. the board, and it's no excuse. You got that's part of the game. You got to finish it off. And if you're a team that wants to be there at the end didn't of the year, defense get a score too. I think they did. Yeah. yeah. So you didn't give up that many points. No. And you 
just spit the bit on yes. multiple points, 21 at least. Yep. So that's how you get beat. That's a recipe. And if you're going to ask me right now or Sunday when I was in a conversation with a couple of guys and we're talking about Florida State and Clemson, and I said Florida State's going to smack Clemson around. Hadn't seen Clemson yet on Monday. I go back to it. Florida State's going to smack Clemson around if they don't get this turned around. Well, Dabo's got some talent. He's not without talent. Um, but if you don't have a trigger man, you know, it really doesn't matter how much talent you have. If you can't take advantage of scoring opportunities, they struggle in the red zone all year, they're going to have problems. Uh, the teams we are talking about cracking into the top 25, they just released the poll this afternoon. Uh, Colorado is now in at number 22, unranked. Expected. Duke's expected. They're 21. Yeah. They uh, they knocked TCU out of the top 25. Expected. Exactly right. Clemson went from uh, wherever they were, top 10, to 25, which I almost thought they should not have been ranked as well after that loss. Well, 25 is a pretty long fall from the top 10. You lost to Duke. Duke's not that bad. I think Duke's okay. You lost to Duke. Um, you were a top 10. You and lost, lost to Duke in a freakish manner. Either way. Um, up on the top end, oh, by the way, LSU fell to 14. They stuck around and they stunk Isn't that the funny that Duke, I mean, excuse me, that Clemson falls so far. Yes. And LSU, well, not a whole lot of cost for it. LSU lost to a better team. Oh, I'm not saying they didn't, but I think. The LSU brand has a better parachute. Oh, yeah. 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 Texas is 11. A&M is 23. Well, at least A&M didn't struggle like Baylor and Gosh, and, gosh. Uh, you know, it was a, I thought it was a hot, cold weekend for the Big 12. Huh. It was hot because you got Colorado. That looks pretty good if Dion's going to hang around. You got Utah, pulled off the win over Florida. That's pretty good. The names you're bringing in look pretty. And then it looks cold and Tech, ugh. TCU, meh. Baylor, ugh. I just, mm, I don't know. I think that's some of that karma the commissioner's drawn on himself for some of his comments of late. But that's all right. It's going to be a Longhorn thing now. Well, it's not just Longhorns. It's Texas NOU, and and they're still in the they're conference going this to year. Greener pastures, and you're basically just bitter yeah. and making angry statements about it. Well, he thought funny statements. I listened to him, and he thought he was you know you're in front of a crowd of Tech fans. Yes, you play to that crowd, and that is smack Texas around a little bit. Right. Unfortunately, it's not the way it should be if you're commissioner. Pack 12 can't take an L and win every game this weekend. It's a powerhouse. It is a powerhouse. And scheduling helps. Powerhouse. And scheduling helps. Colorado got a top 25 win. They did. All right. Utah got a top 25 win. They did. Of course, those who are leaving for the yeah. Big 12. Yeah. How good is Colorado good enough to finish? third or fourth in that conference because I don't think they're good enough to be at the top. No, I don't think they are, but I, he's 
I think he's a master motivator. No question. I don't think he's as weak in his X's and O's like people like to think. He's, oh, you got position coaches yeah, and coordinators that yeah. know what they're I doing. I think he's a CEO type that yep. knows what he's doing. And uh, so I'm not going to sit here today and tell you they don't, you know, sneak up and beat a uh, USC or an Oregon. Because isn't that it? Is Utah. Utah. Oh, Utah. Oh, yeah, I forget about Utah. Utah. And they're pretty physical. Yeah. To me, those are the three. Yeah. They're, they're probably going to struggle with the rest, but I mean, they're not going to struggle with the rest, but those are the yeah. three but that would give them the most Would you be shocked if they beat either one of those schools? Not after what I saw no. Saturday. They've got some playmakers. They do. Yeah, who, plays they... Every, who plays every play in the game anymore? In college, who does that? Well, Who plays both ways? That's kind of was Dion's calling card at times, that he would play on both sides of the ball. He's got a kid who's playing yeah. every play. Yeah. And he's a playmaker he's like He's a Dion playmaker. Was. Yeah. I tell you what, I watched a really good breakdown. Um, uh, it was Emmanuel Acho, I think it was, who did a breakdown on really the reason, in, the difference in coaching on almost exactly the same plays in exactly the same place on the field between the defense for Colorado and the defense for TCU. They ran the exact same play. The Colorado defenders knew the assignment of what was coming at them, held their spots at that interception that your two-way player Hunter got. On the other side, TCU, same play coming at them. They got turned around, and the running back ends up wide open for a touchdown for Colorado instead. It really was a tale of two schools, the exact same play, and how each one had been prepared for what was coming at them. TCU's got work to do. They do. You know, it's going to be Sonny's team for now. Yep. All right, we're done for today. Chris, uh... Minner, we appreciate coming by. We'll get him on again sometime down the road. We're done for today. Back tomorrow. We'll do it again. Derek Oxford's supposed to join us at 5.30 tomorrow. CMC.